Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. And Father, now that we are in Lent, I had a um analogy that had come to me. Obviously on Ash Wednesday, we say from dust to dust, ashes to ashes. I might have just said that wrong in retrospect. Um, but there there's a thought that had come to me, and this is from literally a decade's worth of going into strangers' houses. And seeing them as they are. Sometimes people will really clean the house to the nines. And sometimes people don't even care. And the door barely opens because there's that much contents inside the house. So I have seen many things. And I want to bring up a concept that is applicable to every single house I've been in. Regardless of how much attention has been put to cleaning or not. And kind of make an analogy to this. And that is dust. There is always dust in a property. Whether you like it or not, it's there and it kind of regenerates itself. Not totally sure how dust does, but it does. Um, It's just a thing. And, you know, you can see it at your house, maybe on a screen or something. You wipe your finger and it's there. And we go through all these deep clean exercises to get rid of it, or at least some of us do, some of us don't, but the dust still will return. And the analogy and the thought I was coming up with this was, that's kind of like how sin is. You know, we can try to get rid of dust in our lives and dirt in there, but for one reason or another, it just comes back. Now, there are things that we can do that make dust come back faster um it's almost as if dust dirt begets more dirt you know if you have structural problems or mold growing that will grow faster and make more of it um versus having you know good wind flow and good airflow and not stagnant air and stuff like that um you know kind of like an active lifestyle if you will so i wanted to kind of make that analogy i get that it's kind of not the greatest compact one but Saying, you know, if we have an active, vibrant faith life, that's kind of like wind circulating and keeps the dust from settling and building upon the room. And then obviously cleaning the room and the faith standpoint would be the sacrament of of reconciliation. So I wanted to kind of think about that analogy, saying that going to reconciliation and being a good Catholic doesn't mean dust never comes back into your life, but doing nothing brings a whole lot more dust and kind of... uh, discuss that if you will <laughs> well i uh it's a good thing that we're only doing audio um because you regularly look into my office which uh, clearly looks not in the category of having everything uh, in order and put together and uh, i'm afraid in the uh, the dust world too i am uh, regularly defeated by the futility of sweeping dust away and uh so at a physical level, I'm not a good example of what you're talking about. But hopefully at a spiritual level, I do better in uh, maintaining a regular practice. And, uh, and, and there is a kind of momentum that you get when you have a regular practice. And that's obviously, uh, I, I keep imagining that maybe I'll uh, spiritualize this enough at the physical level that I'll make time for dusting right now time for dusting is like not time for doing podcasts or something like that so i can't quite justify cutting some of those things out for the sake of dusting but 
Um, at the spiritual level, I, I do uh, cut things out for the sake of the spiritual exercises, for the sake of making a holy hour and praying the liturgy of the hours, uh, spending time with my monastic community and, and having my own devotional time. So uh, I do recognize the, the importance of that. And, um, well, I suppose uh, I'm going to see how far I can stretch this analogy now that you brought it up. But, uh, you know, there is something satisfying when you have a little bit of a layer of dust when you clean something and it feels like it looks better and feels like you did something. And, you know, maybe you also developed white lung disease in the process, uh, but you, it's, you know, you have a visible satisfaction and, and, and that sometimes helps, uh, that sometimes is the same experience when people have been away for a little while and they come back and they kind of dust off the spiritual life. They dust off, uh, you know, their, their prayer time and uh, hopefully they've been attending mass at least, but, you know, maybe step back into haven't read the Bible in a while, literally dust off the Bible and also dust off the practice. And there's something satisfying. You feel like, yeah, that was really good. You know, I spent an hour. And uh, I feel really good about what I did. And then doing it again the next day, you have a little bit of momentum. And then it just gets kind of less interesting to keep dusting because you just don't see the visible result the same. And so there's a way that a regular spiritual practice also seems to be like, okay, is this really that important that I keep dusting this thing off? Because it's kind of less interesting. It seems to be making less impact. It's not as dirty and embarrassing. Part of the reason I dusted it off is because I was going to go to confession, you know, just like when you brush your teeth before you go to the dentist, you start flossing again or whatever it is. Um, you know, so we, we, we do have some of those kinds of things that happen. But to, uh, to your point, there is a momentum that we gain by having a regular practice. And that's really when Jesus says those who have little, what little they have will be taken away. Those who have much to, more, uh, to them, more will be given. And that seems unfair at first, but it's the kind of momentum when you've been working out, it's easier to work out again. And, and in fact, you have a little bit of a craving for it and you want to work out again. When you've been using your muscles, there's, it feels good to use your muscles and it feels good to keep using them. And you have some, uh, you, you benefit from what you did yesterday or the day before, and it's easier to do the thing. And so uh, to take it back to the dusting analogy, that would be like, not only have you developed dust, you've developed mold. And not only do you need to just wipe off a surface, you actually need to like fumigate your, your place. And that's a big pain. And when you've kept the, the mold away uh, which, as you pointed out, not only grows like dust, uh, it grows in, in a more exponential fast fashion. The more there is, the more you, you get. Then, uh, you know, keeping the mold away is much easier than trying to defeat it once it starts. Uh, I was thinking, uh, you know, dealing with something like ants or probably termites or some of those things, other living things would be. Uh, analogous. When you have no ants, you know, then you sort of keep no ants. Once you get a couple, then you have a whole lot more. And then you got to figure out where they live. And then you got to find out like what's going on. And then, you know, you're just continually killing one ant here and one ant there, or 10 ants here and 10 ants there. And that's like a whole other problem. So 
keeping things clean, keeping the food out, you know, the exposed food out of your places, keeping that, whatever it is. There are preventative measures that help in physical ways in keeping things clean and sanitary. There are preventative measures, there are regular practices that certainly help in the spiritual life to keep things going. It's it's a little bit pedestrian to make that analogy. The spiritual life is so, you know, it's like saying, well, you know, if you take care of your baby uh, on a daily basis, you know, it causes less problems than if you neglect the baby for five days. I mean, that's really more the analogy with the spiritual life because our spiritual life is a living relationship with a living person who is our God. And our souls languish and die. It's of eternal consequence, more like taking care of a baby than taking care of a house. Uh, anyway, just to, uh, to, to, to lean in that direction uh, for, to, to conclude my comments there. Sure. It, uh, yeah, obviously. Um, and, and a thought came to me here because I think this is a human nature thing. As going off the analogy there, you said when you when there is a lot of dirt there and you clean off, you get this extra like joy. There's a spot there that's true, but there's a spot when it's way worse where you just get disgust. Like, how did I let it get this bad? Like, maybe it'd be better just to burn the whole house down. Like people get to that spot and people will do it with themselves in terms of working out and weight. Like, you know what? There's nothing I can do anyway. It's helpless and hopeless. And I kind of think of it as, as we're going through it and you get those big results early. Um, You know, I think everyone gets when you, when you first start working out, like if you'll stick with it for a week, you'll grow tremendously. You'll, you'll see big change. And then you hit that patch of, I'm not really seeing those big fun results anymore. And this kind of hurts because I haven't been used to doing this. This wasn't built into my life. And to me, it's that second barrier that is the one that really makes people quit. Um, Because I I know for myself that um, with my weight, it fluctuates year round. And then when Lent happens, I begin fasting where I only eat once a day and not at all on days where you're not allowed to eat meat. And I lose all kinds of weight because essentially I force myself to do it because it's Lent. I don't give myself a choice. But if I would try to do this in like the middle of June, it ain't going to happen. Like I just know that about me. And I think that that's something that's common with people in a lot of spaces. Sure, it's easy in the beginning. Um, you know, the first two weeks of Lent, I lose a ton of weight. It is fantastic. I can see results. I'm happy. But when you get to about week four, it's, well, now I'm just hungry. I have, the scale really has not changed in the last four days. Like, why are we doing this? And again, because it's Lent, I push through it because I see the importance of it. But again, if I didn't have that extra pressure upon me, it wouldn't. And that's kind of what I want to dive into because I think that's a very real human nature thing. And I, because I can come up with so many extra examples, I think it's just furthering that thought that how do we get through the, okay, it's not a lifestyle habit yet, but we probably should make it there, but it doesn't feel like it's worth it, even though it will be. Well, there are several things that affect our motivation, uh, but a big thing is community. You know, when you talk about being able to do something in Lent, part of the reason you're able to do it in Lent is because it's a thing. 
people are doing it in Lent. And even if you're not doing it with someone, although probably you are, you have your wife is keeping you accountable. You got a friend group, you go to a church. Uh, but the church as a whole, you know, has created this culture uh, of Lent, and we we have some momentum around that. Uh, so recognizing our communal nature to help us overcome. And I have to say, the one time that I really faithfully cleaned, to come back to that analogy, was when I was a novice here at the monastery, and that's what we did. So the novices every Saturday would clean the sixth floor, the novitiate in the monastery. And then it just was natural to clean my room as well. Once I was cleaning and we were cleaning and that was the thing we were doing, then it's a lot easier to do. And so uh, the, the communal influence is, is so important. And that's something I overlooked or I diminished for a long time. I sort of lived too much in the I don't know, whatever uh, philosophical space that is that has decided, you know, we ought to just be able to will everything. It's probably Kant's, Immanuel Kant's metaphysics or, or uh, uh, whatever it is, behavioral practices. But, um, you know, the idea that our will ought to be sovereign like that and we can just will things. Uh, and And obviously we're not forced to do things that everybody else is doing. We are capable of going against the stream, but it's really hard. And I think we underestimate that. Uh, whereas when we have a few people doing a thing together, and especially when we have a lot of people doing a thing together, I mean, it's one of the things about the the pandemic to go back to a previous uh, podcast. It made it a little easier that everybody was doing it together. And uh, if you're if you're the only guy in a room wearing a mask or the only guy in a room not wearing a mask, in both both cases you feel pressure. I mean, it's like anyway, there are sociopaths who don't feel anything or any kind of group influence. But uh, for the most part, we do feel that even if it's not there, even if you're the only guy in the room not wearing a mask and everybody's totally fine with it, you still feel like you don't fit and. And we we that it influences us. It has a heavy impact on us. And so, just being part of a group that's doing a thing really makes a difference. And that's where our our friendships, our community, our families, um, those decisions directly impact how we're going to live out our faith. For example, if you don't spend much time with other Catholics or serious Christians, you don't spend much time with your parish community. You don't spend much time with people who are dedicated. It's you're not going to do much stuff. Uh, we we really get so much from from other people. And not to keep plugging the conference that you just did here, uh, but that was a big calling to all of that. Was we need to create spaces where we can. And to your point, for me at least at Lent, yeah, it makes it a whole lot easier that my wife is on board with this. Um, she's not as stringent as I am, and she thinks it's a little bit crazy that she thinks I overdo it, but that's who I am. So you're absolutely right that that being with it and then doing the mass thing, you know, it, it was crazy. I, I remember whenever uh, things started opening up and there was this whole cohort of 
Everything goes back to normal. I never heard of a mask. Don't ask me anything. I'm not talking to you. We're going back to the way life was. No extra things. Life has not changed. And then there was the other group that was like, no, no, we're, we're, we're wearing jumpers all the time. Like, it looks like we're at a hazmat convention. Um, and, you know, that, I guess that's how groups can form things. But, yeah, you're right. If you were one of those by themselves or another one by themselves, there, there certainly is this pressure thing. And. The thought that I had, at least what I remember going through that the most, is actually like high school drama type crap, where it's like, oh, I'm the only person who doesn't this, that, or the other. And you get into that group think, and you feel this pressure like you have to to form into it. And um, not exactly the direction we were going with this episode, but it's something that I thought of. Like, yeah, it, it, it does call you to be there, and it emphasizes the importance of needing to to build a community. And from my own experience, I am in the minority of this country in a lot of ways because not only have I built a company, I built a company that survived more than a decade. And that is incredibly – Yeah, it's incredibly rare in terms of you look at the mass population, how few people actually will try, and then – even fewer than that, that actually will succeed. So it, it, it's an incredibly rare. So on the one standpoint, I do have this thought that if I can do that, I can, I can do anything. So I, I the, and you probably need a little bit of that thought process anyway, but I bring that up because most people are so scared to try something to build. And I don't even mean physically build a building. I just mean build a structure or a situation where people do come together. Um, you know, even if it's as simple as, you know, we're all going to have a meeting here one day a week and we're just going to talk about stuff that's going on in our lives and, and all of that. We don't even have stuff like that where it's just talking about how do you deal with your kid when he comes home from school and he's flipping out? Um, like, is anyone else having this problem? And, you know, there's just something to seeing a group of people that are also in the same situation as you that makes you feel less alone. And where I was coming from is that the objection that in my personal parish building that we get is, oh, no one would ever come to this. No one would ever want to participate in this. And me being me, I'm like, well, have you ever tried? Have you just because you don't know anyone that would? The whole point of building a parish is so that's bigger than you as an individual. So that's that's an a thought that I'd like to put out to everyone is there's certainly ways to mitigate your risk if if it doesn't work, but the majority of time, if you're feeling something deeply, you're not the only one. Because most of us would fall into the category of like other people and not being a pure sociopath, as you mentioned before. Um, Most of us aren't that. Most of us are feeling the same currents as those around us and feeling those same tugs of pressures against us. Um, You know, if you've ever swam in, in a river with a current, you can feel when you're with the current or against it and how hard it can be just to go lateral. Um, so that's something that that I wanted to to point out that rarely is trying something that you have a strong feeling about a bad idea. Though there's ways to do it more efficiently and inefficiently, and I can certainly discuss that with people. 
But the overall notion of trying, I can't stress enough. And to get a lot of those logistics, by the way, of how to do it better, that's that was a, a big part of day one of of your conference that you had. Um, and, and certainly encourage anyone to to do that, especially if you're looking to to get children involved. Um, I, I think that it's it, it's something that I, I can't encourage enough to to try. It may be as a, a process of this Lent, figure out how to maybe open up your parish a little more to do it, to have some type of gathering or maybe combine a couple of churches to do that. I know that in our personal diocese, five churches got together and they're trying to do a, um, a, a routine Wednesday night, essentially gathering. Um, they have one little pregame speech at the beginning kind of tell people this is what's going on. Does this relate to you guys? And how can it, you know, how can we do this to make our lives here today better? It's, it starts with, you know, a reading from the Bible, you know, this is what Jesus did. You know, how can we transmit this to our own lives and, and how applicable is that? So I wanted to, to kind of just give people that hope to, to try, you know, just try something and, and it might not work, but at least you will learn how to make it better next time. And to continue to try, because we're all going to hit that barrier in the middle where I'm not losing as much weight as I did in the beginning. Well, do you want to quit? And you ultimately, when you quit, you'll get more weight than when you started at. We've all experienced that gum band. Um, or do you want to keep trying and trying and pushing through it? And I know that that's not the majority, but those that actually do accomplish it will not only benefit yourselves, but everyone around you. So Father, we only have a couple of minutes left to conclude this episode. I want to give you a chance to say the final words here. And for all of our listeners, not from the Pittsburgh area, gum band is another word for rubber band. Oh, for yeah. uh, all of those who are tuned in and wondering about that snapback experience <laughs> that Joe is just referencing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great encouragement for uh, people to try stuff and and we have you know we have different personalities and different roles and uh, try something or support somebody who's willing to try something uh, we're, we're in different places with that some of us are a number one man some of us are a number two man and both are really necessary mm-hmm. show up at something that somebody wants to try I mean it is the reason we are doing this podcast because you wanted to try something and I just can't stand in the way of that. Thank God somebody wants to try something. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to be the barrier here. Let's let's give it a try. And yeah, it's uh, it's a great attitude to take and and again, we got to do it together. It really makes such a difference to uh have that support when things get a little bit uh stretched and um you know, have somebody to cheer us on and and move us forward. So, thanks for trying this out, Joe and and Hopefully our listeners will will follow your good example. Well, thank you for sticking with me, Father. I know that that having a little bit of support goes way further than anyone would ever uh, imagine. So I thank you very much for that, Father. Um, I hope everyone out here enjoys today's episode. Please continue to share and spread it, especially if you're on an Apple device. I cannot tell you how much extra important you are because you're on an Apple device. So thank you very much, and we'll be with you next week. (laughs) 